I have a clipboard. Everybody's excited about the clipboard uh, for cleaning the building. So we're going to start right up here with all the steps. I got a special brand new pen and everything for the occasion. And uh, it's great to be back. I know that I was here last week, but my life has been such a blur. Um, and so I am here and I feel like I'm prepared. So we'll see how that all works. And so, uh, <clears throat> but I do want to start with these uh, wonderful notes of encouragement. I only have three. There might be others that would be forthcoming. I know that sometimes that happens. But Alton and Holly, I hope that you have a great time with the puppy. There's some insider information on that one that I'm not aware of, but I'm sure that you will. Uh, <clears throat> I think Holly is like a, a pet whisperer. She has helped us countless times with our pets. So, Scott, so thankful for the years we have had together. I am incredibly blessed and have a, a front row seat as you grow in Christ. Thankful for your good and honest heart. I think this is coming from Uriam. Yes, yes. Let's give it up for Scott. Woohoo! I really appreciate uh, someone wrote, uh, the guys who are doing things behind the scenes, Scott is constantly doing things behind the scenes, and it's, it's kind of fun to discover what he's been doing. So uh, we have a rock star among us, a spiritual rock star, like Jesus is the rock, and this guy is following in his footsteps. I'm going to read all three. Here we go. Eric J., so thankful for your Bible class lessons on Joseph. I've been able to tune in and Facebook Live and really appreciate the fresh perspective on the scripture and the time you are investing in preparing lessons and teachings. Well, I don't want to miss this one. Here we go. Eric, for your insights into Joseph, it has stirred me. Hopefully in the right way. All right. <laughs> Eric Johnson. Your Bible class on Joseph was amazing. You really brought out, brought out some great points that I need to study into more. And I once again, let me do a little advertisement here. If you weren't here this morning, you need to get online and you need to check that lesson out. That was an incredible lesson. It was a, a raw in a couple places where I was like, oh, he's talking at me, stepping all over my shoes. And then there was great ones where, but this is what Joseph did and we can follow in his footsteps. So praise God. Oh, this, this goes, <laughs> there you go. I'm, here I am praising you, man. And, and uh, it's great. Ryan, your message was awesome. Where is Ryan? Okay, there you go. He had to leave for work. Okay. All right. Oh, and I got one more here. You've been a blessing. Thank you. I will bless you and will be a blessing to all who helped the Drillingers and those who have kept us in your prayers. What an amazing blessing you are. You receive, you relieved stress and worry over a huge task needed to be accomplished. Now, I think the, the Halsteads and Ken, were you out there the other day? The Halsteads and Brian Bragg and who else was out there? manhandling all that stuff oh yeah alan and adam yeah absolutely so we sure to appreciate i'm sorry 
Oh, okay, there you go. The the brag boys. All right. So you had plenty of, of uh, yeah, guns. It's great. Okay, I saw a great picture. Did you do a good job of supervising? I saw you leaning against the, 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 the shed or something. I thought that's definitely the supervisor's pose. <laughs> you were rocking it, man. That was great. So thanks, Alton, and the rest. It was awesome. Great picture. And you know what? I have to be honest with you. Uh, I'm thankful for all those who help because I'm stressing about getting my shop done, but I was more than willing to go help get your whatever tank that was. I won't say what it was, but anyway, that tank in the ground. So thank you for everybody stepping up and doing all the hard lifting. So, okay. Any others? All right. Let's, uh, let's do a couple of announcements. If you want to grab your bulletins, that would be great. So today, right after some, we're going to have a short meeting for the Pumpkin Spice Holiday Bazaar. Uh, I'm going to, to Belarus, and uh, there is a lot of needs over there. We've already sent 5,000 into Ukraine to support uh, orphans and those uh, women who have been abused because of the war. And so we wanted to go into Ukraine, but they're not going to let us go in. Having been in Belarus, we're seen as enemy combatants having been in Belarus, so we can't go in. But I am uh, have the opportunity to work with some Ukrainian refugees in Warsaw. And so uh, the money that we raise goes to those kids and to those ladies. And so uh, appreciate the, the folks that are stepping up to help. And also, too, uh, we're going to get the word out. We might even send some word down with the Church of Christ down there in Cottage Grove, 6th at Gibbs. So you, all the money, 100%, goes to helping those uh, refugees and orphans. So anyway, uh, there are a meeting right afterwards. Monday night, we're going to have our college age study once again. And we had a great start to a new series. We talked about the depression back in the 30s. Are we, are we mentally prepared? Are we spiritually prepared for something like that? That's a good question, isn't it? Are we spiritually prepared? Are we mentally prepared? You know, Eric did a great job this morning of infusing both reality, now, real time, and the scripture truth of how Joseph provided for the world, but God, through Joseph, provided it's a powerful passage. So anyway, Monday night, Wednesday night, we're coming up this Wednesday night, and I believe if you look on your calendars, it is the potluck this Wednesday night. Is that correct? I think it is. So uh, potluck Wednesday night at the Parks Place. And we're continuing our study on the gospel of Christ tonight. So if you can make it out, that would be fantastic. Any other announcements? Do we have some birthdays in here that I might have missed? Oh, Andrew Warren. Is he watching online, you think? Probably. Okay, that's fine. That's so fine. Hey, you guys okay singing really loud? So that whether he's online or not, he'll still hear us. Are you willing to do that? Anybody else got a birthday coming up this week? Anniversary tomorrow. Anniversary tomorrow. Okay. All right. Steve, when is your birthday? January. It's a little premature. All right. Well, we'll sing happy birthday to you, too. What? You were born on a Sunday? Well, hey, that counts for something. Steve McCauley, by the way, is a, an elder down there at the church in, in Cottage Grove. Sure to appreciate him coming out. And I'll tell you what kind of guy this guy is. First question out of his mouth, okay? 
He says, I want to know your plan of salvation. Churches are going belly up on the plan of salvation. Man, I appreciated that. So I just gave it right back to you. Okay, quoted Acts 2.38 because you wanted to know. So there it is. That's what we do. Okay, we're going to preach the truth until uh, we're done. All right? So anyway, uh, appreciate you a whole bunch. All right, so let's sing happy birthday to Steve because he was born on a Sunday. And also to uh, Andrew, he's out there somewhere. Well, there's several people watching. So, Andrew, this is for you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God bless you. Happy birthday to you. Woohoo! All right. There we go. All right, let's grab our Bibles and turn into the book of Ephesians and chapter 4 this morning. Ephesians and chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 1 through 6, paying particular attention to the concept of gentleness. Therefore I urge you, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all, through all, and in all. Let's pray. Our holy God, we would ask that you would help us to recognize the great and glorious character of your Son that's manifest in his body. We are called out of darkness into your marvelous light to proclaim your excellencies, both in word and in deed. Dear Heavenly Father, we have seen in the last two Lord's Days the amazing power of the humility of Christ Jesus, both when he walked the earth and in his people. And so, Father, now we turn our attention to that glorious character of gentleness that great facet of his glory. And I pray, dear Heavenly Father, we'd recognize that humility and gentleness are powerful weapons in your service to help deliver the word both in how we manifest your son's character and how we speak to and with each other. I pray this in your son's name, Jesus. Amen. I want you to turn to the book of Matthew in chapter 11 now. Matthew in chapter 11. Jesus is the standard for our lives. And in Matthew in chapter 11, he makes a very important statement that I think is critical for us to realize that he's actually showing us the life we're called to live. In Matthew in chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, he says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, it's important for us to recognize and understand, brethren, that the quest that we're on 
is to understand what it means to walk in a manner worthy of the call that we have been called through the gospel. Go to 2 Thessalonians and, and chapter 2 and verse 13 and 14, and it says, through the gospel we were called into his glory. Now, the glory that we're talking about here is his magnificent character. Jesus Christ indwelled us, the fullness of deity in our bodies, and so we're to manifest his great character. First, according to this passage of scripture, in humility, but then in gentleness. Now, if you'll go back really quickly and take a look at that Ephesians chapter 4, and notice those two words are connected together, just as they were in the expression of Jesus saying, I am gentle and humble of heart. And so when we look at Ephesians 4, notice what it says. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called with all humility and gentleness. In my study, I discovered that humility is a stepping stone into gentleness. If we have chosen not to subject ourselves to the will of God in humility, then we're not going to be gentle. You need to have committed yourselves to humbling yourself before the mighty hand of God. It's not Bill's way, it's the Lord's way. It's not your way, it's the Lord's way. You know, when Jesus walked the earth, more than one time he said, not my will be done, but Father, your will. Notice he humbled himself every moment, every step, every breath, every word was in subjection to the Father's will so that he could be gentle. Because the gentleness we're going to talk about today is impossible without humility. I sure do appreciate whoever started the fire this morning. It was a little bit chilly. So if you fall asleep, I'll, I'll yell or scream or pound the pulpit a little bit louder just so you wake up. How's that sound? That might not be very gentle, but it might be needful. You see, Jesus is the gold standard. It says he emptied himself of all his privileges and took on the form of a bondservant and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a criminal's cross because of the will of God. But you ever notice what happened to Jesus before he got to that cross, after he was taken into custody? One of the greatest pictures of gentleness in a man that was fully humble before God and his will. I hope I can share that with you and show that to you today. And so I want you to turn now back and take a look at your lesson plan. Your lesson plans look something like this. Hopefully you have those. And I want you to, to listen very carefully to some of the discoveries I've made in regards to this gentleness. Now, whenever I think of gentleness, I think of uh, when, when my boys were little and I would put them to bed. We'd rough house a little bit before. We'd do some wrestling matches. And then I would take them when they were little enough. And I would fly them like airplanes. They'd put their hands out. And I'd fly them like airplanes around. And then I would always crash land them in bed. It's a lot more fun doing it that way than to get into bed. It's bedtime. 
And so they, they always knew it was going to be a crash landing, but never resulting in death, only resulting in dad staying with them a little bit longer and touching their head or, or rubbing their arms. My boys are all working now. I, and I don't do that anymore, by the way. <laughs> they need to carry me to bed sometimes. <laughs> but the gentle touch, I think of that when I'm thinking about gentleness. You know, the rough house with the boys, but then when it's time to open their hearts, to let them know how much dad loves them, that gentle touch and those kind and gentle words. That's not this. That's not this gentleness. So I don't want you to think that gentleness is just kind of being like a marshmallow. Just whatever you want, man. I don't want to roll. Jesus was anything but that. He came to bring a sword. And he brought a sword. And the sword divides. But I'll tell you what, the last few hours of his life manifest a gentleness that no human could exhibit. A son of God? Yes. A human? No. I want you to see how powerful gentleness is this morning. But let's begin with the definition. Gentleness describes a condition of the mind, heart, and soul of a person, their psyche. It manifests a gift that God has given that is power-driven, not weak. We think of meekness, mildness, and gentleness as oftentimes weakness. Quite the opposite. Gentleness is a powerful weapon in the hands of God as you and I would be gentle, so we become weapons in the hand of God to destroy the devil's bastions in the hearts of men. Gentleness denotes the nature or disposition of mildness or meekness before God and others. It's a power position, as you will see. Gentleness or meekness by God's design consistently follows humility and demonstrates itself in a willingness to fully surrender to God's will regardless of the circumstances. Now that last part's important. Humility causes us to humble ourselves before God's will. But as you said this morning, Eric, man, God was really trying to help us to see that the circumstances we find ourselves in are going to test to see if we truly are humble to God's will, no matter what the circumstances, and live a life of gentleness that manifests his character when humans cannot. But Christians Sons and daughters of God can. It is the humble, meek heart which does not fight against God in struggling and contending with him. This gentleness that we're speaking of this morning is a meekness before God, but also in the presence of men, including evil men. This Gentleness, if we understand it, recognizes that insults and injuries which they, the evil men, inflict, or evil women inflict, God has allowed by his sovereign will to discipline, to strengthen, 
to purify and to manifest his character. Do you remember the, the centurion standing below the cross after Jesus breathed his last? What did that centurion say? Surely this was a son of God. This was the son of God. What compelled him to that? He had crucified thousands and he'd never seen a man filled with the Spirit. A man who was living for the will of God and was willing to gently not argue with God but fulfill his will and touch the hearts of others. I want you to go back to that time at the end of our lesson and realize that Jesus was manifesting gentleness and it powerfully pierced the heart of that crusty Roman centurion officer who'd killed his thousands and yet this one pierced his heart and rendered him to confess Jesus as the son of God. You see the power of gentleness? Stay tuned. Gentleness is the temper of spirit, the temper of our attitude, which we observe in Christ, and then faithful, mature Christians, accepting whatever God deals out to them as good and acceptable according to his will. Therefore, they'll embrace any life event that comes their way without grumbling or resisting but rather embracing it as God's will for them and maybe for the will of others around them. Can I give you another example really quickly? Paul in prison, in a cesspool, in the dungeon, singing praises to God. That Roman jailer had never seen anything like that. And that pierced his heart. And he comes trembling in and says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Do you see the power of gentleness being submitted to God's will and manifesting it in a joyful commitment to serve others and not yourself? Well, enough of the definitions. I want to get right down to taking a look at the scriptures. Look at point number two. The gentleness of Christ and his chosen ones. Well, we've already been to Matthew 11, but I want to go there really quickly. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. I'd encourage you to memorize this one. By the way, this is a image of who you and I are to be for those around us. Who are the who are the hands and the feet and the heart and the voice and the hugs and the rebukes of Christ today? His body. His body. And so when we look to Jesus, we're seeing a mere image of who we are in Christ. Through the Holy Spirit, we have the power to become that which we see. Take a look here. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Could you say that about yourself? Or are you still worried about your own things going on? Remember what he said in the book of Philippians in chapter 2? He says, have this attitude in yourselves, have this mindset in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Although he was God's son, 
He humbled himself to the point of bearing the sins of all. Are you willing to humble yourself and put your, your needs aside to serve the Lord God? Are you? Because that's when men and women will see a true son or daughter of God. Well, as we continue to read here, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Do you have that mindset? Do you have that heart? If you're a Christian this morning, you have that heart and you've been given the mind of Christ so you can be. Well, take a look. Look at the next verse. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Gentleness and humility together pierces the darkness in the lives of others. Brethren, I'll tell you, we need to get to this place in our lives before they really shake things out. Because if you're not trusting God fully in his will, you're going to have a hard time being gentle like Jesus was gentle, like the Apostle Paul was gentle, like so many others we could look at in the scriptures. But I want you to take a look at uh, Matthew 21 and verse 5. Matthew 21 and verse 5. This is a quote right out of Zechariah about our Christ. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. You know, as Jesus comes into Jerusalem, it says in the book of Zechariah, by way of prophecy, that your king will come riding on a donkey foal and he will come in gentleness. I don't think they understood what was being spoken there. No. That gentleness no. is also spoken of in the book of Psalms as a weapon of war. David says that God had given him a great weapon of war and that was gentleness. Jesus was coming in and he was going to pierce the hearts of many, including that centurion, using the weapon of war called gentleness. Now, I want to take a look at you and I. What about the Christian? We've already looked at Ephesians 4, verses 1, 2, and 3, with all humility and gentleness. But what about Colossians chapter 3 and verse 12, talking about the glory of God. Turn with me really quickly to the book of Colossians 3 and verse 12. In Colossians 3, the repentance process is spoken of, and then we see what the repentance process is supposed to produce. Notice in verse 12, so as those who have been chosen, I would say chosen and called, through the gospel of God. You, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness. Notice humility and gentleness are connected there. They were connected in Matthew and chapter 11. They're connected in Zephaniah chapter 3 and verse 12. Humility and gentleness work together. Timothy, turn with me to 2 Timothy. 
I'm teaching a young man. He's a pretty cool young man. His name is Stephen. He wants to be a preacher. He went off to Bible college, spent a year there, and said, man, it's academic. Man, I want to get in and start preaching. And I said, well, there's a few things you need to know first. What does a preacher actually look like in the scriptures? Let's go to the Bible and get a picture of what a preacher looks like, what a preacher has to endure, what a preacher needs to know. And so it's been very exciting over the last two months in working with this young man. And I said, here's a picture. Here's a picture that I have acquired for myself as an evangelist, but it's really a picture that every one of us needs to have as sons and daughters of God. Look at 2 Timothy and chapter uh, 2, verse 24 through 26. Listen to the power of gentleness. That's for you and I, the power of gentleness. This is for you. Here we go. The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged. Verse 25, with gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. There are three powerful facets of glory there that are used as tools to pierce the darkness and draw people out of the devil's clutches. Look at the first one there. The first one is what? Kindness. It's kindness that leads a person to repentance. The kindness of God. Are you that kind? What about patience? Does the patience of God also give us opportunity, time to change, to repent? The answer is yes. But what about gentleness? Gentleness there in this verse, look at it again, verse 25, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition. Brother, might I share with you, as Eric did earlier, the challenges that we face in this hour? Oh no, my cell phone battery died. Oh no, I can't find my keys. Oh no, the lights went off for a while. This is miserable. I mean, I love the way you kind of did that. I was kind of whining a little bit more, but you did a good job. I don't think we have seen opposition, brethren, like what's coming. The opposition that's coming, we have not experienced. We don't know. But there are brethren around the world that have experienced this kind of opposition. There's a sweet lady in Belarus who was doing some great things for young women and young men, keeping them out of the trafficking situation. She was imprisoned for doing that sweet work for 30 days in a Belarusian prison. She's not even a Christian. Just a person who saw the goodness and the rightness of helping those who couldn't help themselves. We've never seen anything like that. But if we do, the question is, is will the opposing force see the gentleness of Christ in you and I? That's the question. Look at proposition number three. Point number three, Christ's illustration of all gentleness. 
Let's take a look at 1 Peter. Many of you have this one memorized, but it's a good introductory statement for what we'll read in Matthew. Take a look. 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning there in verse 21. For you have been called, I love that word, called and chosen for this purpose. Since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. Can I stop there for just a minute? Dramatic pause. Also waiting if somebody's snoring. Nope, you're all here. That's good. For you have been called for this purpose since Christ also suffered for you, leaving an example. What's the example, brethren? The example is how to suffer correctly. How to suffer correctly when you're doing the right thing. The church in the United States has never had to before. We haven't. The church around the world in some places has made the ultimate sacrifice. Many have. We haven't. But don't make no mistake, the devil isn't concerned about the Christians in Belarus only. He's concerned about Christians all over. So, brethren, we need to be mentally, spiritually prepared to with this weapon of gentleness. Well, let's read on. Verse 22, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. Does that sound like the Apostle Paul in prison? He didn't revile. This is unjust. All I did was heal a, a, a little girl and set her free. This is wrong. That's not what he did. He's singing and praising God. Why? He was entrusting himself to a faithful creator. And so he sang. And that crusty old jailer became a Christian. So Jesus on the cross and Jesus before manifests an amazing character of gentleness. How many of you know Roman, Roman uh, military protocol? Anybody here? I invite you to go do a little research. You know the centurion that said, surely he was the son of God? If you go to Roman military uh, protocol, that guy had been following Jesus, his charge, his prisoner, through the whole process. They weren't going to let him just willy-nilly around. See, you're bobbing your head, Mark, because you know. That guy saw all of the trumped-up kangaroo courts and all of them screaming, and Jesus just remained silent as a sheep before its shearers remained silent. And the only time he opened his mouth is when they say, Are you the Son of God? Are you the Christ? And then he would say, yes, it is as you say. But that's the only time he opened his mouth. Because he wasn't going to get mixed up in all of that human man-made garbage. And then what did they do to him? Well, let's read Matthew chapter 27 as we finish this morning with an illustration of gentleness like unseen in the human realm before. Matthew chapter 27, beginning there in, in verse 11. We're going to just jump a few places here. We're not going to read the whole thing. Verse 11 through 14. Now, 
Now, uh, and this is chapter 27, beginning in verse 11. Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor questioned him, saying, uh, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said to him, It is as you say. And while he was being accused by the chief priests and elders, he did not answer. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things are, are there testifying against you? And he did not answer them with regard to even a single charge. So the governor was quite amazed. Now let's jump down to look at verse 26 and following. Then Pilate released Barabbas for them, but after having Jesus scourged, he handed him over to be crucified. Now he's already gone through all the kangaroo courts, and now they scourge him. In the Old Testament it says when they whipped him, they like plowed his back with furrows. That's what it actually says. You're a farmer, right? No? You know farmers, Steve? What does it mean to put furrows in the ground, to plow the ground up? Man, that guy's back was hamburger with shards of flesh hanging down. Most people died from that. Not Jesus, because he, he had an appointment on the cross. That guy watched. That centurion watched. Those soldiers watched as that guy took it. After one, after another, not cursing, not screaming, just taking it. They couldn't believe it. And then what do they do? Verse 27, then the soldiers uh, of the governor took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole Roman cohort around. They stripped him and put on a scarlet robe on him. And after twisting together a crown of thorns, long Judean thorns, about three inches long, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand, they knelt down before him and mocked him. Hail, king of the Jews! They spat on him, and they took the reed and began to beat him on the head. After that, uh, <clears throat> after that, they had mocked him. They took the scarlet robe off and put on his own garments uh, back on him and led him away to crucify him. By the way, there's some details here that aren't listed. They blindfolded him and they punched him in the face. Hey, if you're the prophet... Prophesy, who just slugged you? They ripped out his beard. doesn't say it here, but it says in other passages. And that centurion watched, and Jesus stood and took it. The man who created every one of those souls, the man who could snuff those souls out with the word, he took it. As he's going up, to the cross, verse 33. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means a place of the skull, they gave him wine to drink mixed with gall, and after tasting it, he was unwilling to drink. And when they had crucified him, they divided up his garments among themselves by casting lots and sitting down. They began to keep watch over him there. And above his head, they put up the charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. At that time, two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right, one on the left. Those passing by were hurling abuse at him, wagging their heads and saying, you are going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Save yourself. If you are the son of God, come down from the cross. In the same way, the chief priests also, along with the scribes and elders, were mocking him and saying, he, he saved others. He can't save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him now come down from the cross and we'll believe in him. He trusts in God. 
Let God rescue him now if he delights in him. For he said, I am the son of God. The robbers who had been crucified with him were also insulting him with the same words. I want to stop here for just a minute. Again, this is not the whole story. When he's walking up the hill, there's women weeping. Read John. Weeping. He says, don't worry about me, ladies. What's coming on Jerusalem is much worse. This guy has been brutally turned into a human hamburger. He's bleeding all over. He's unrecognizable, the scripture says. And he turns to those ladies. I can only imagine they probably couldn't even look at him. And he says, don't cry for me. Cry for yourself. Where was his focus? It wasn't on the pain. It wasn't on the injustice. It was on human hearts that were destined for the lake of fire. Where is our mindset? When Paul was in prison, he preached to the guards. And he said, many of the guards, the praetorian guard, know the gospel. Brethren, this is powerful. We need to get this ingrained in our minds that this is who we are as Christ ones. Otherwise, we're not going to be gentle and they will not see Christ. They'll see a human being beaten and one who's given up the will of God to save this mortal, temporary flesh. We can't be those people. We need to be as our Christ. But let's read on. Take a look, if you would. Verse 45 Now from the sixth hour, darkness fell upon the land until the ninth hour. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of those who were standing there, when they heard it, began saying, this man is calling for Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and taking the sponge, he filled with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave him a drink. But the rest of them said, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook and the rocks were split and the tombs were opened. And many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep, his Old Testament faithfuls, were raised. And coming out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection, they entered the holy city and appeared to many. Now the centurion and those who were with him kept guarding, kept guard over Jesus. When they saw the earthquake and the things that were happening, became very frightened and said, truly, this was the Son of God. Read John's account. Jesus on the cross, writhing in pain. And he sees his mom and the youngest disciple, John, and he focuses on them and he makes sure that they're going to take care of each other. This guy is in pain like we've never experienced. And he's concerned about his mom and the youngest disciple. And then those two thieves, healing and abuse him, one of them figures it out, seeing the gentleness of Jesus, says, Lord, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. And that Roman centurion and the guards had never seen a human being filled with the Spirit. They'd never seen a son of God. And they proclaimed him because of what they saw and what they heard. The gentleness of a man completely humble 
before God's will, not concerned about self, but for others that they might not enter into a Christless hell. Now here's my question. What about me? Here's the question. So what about you? The fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. John chapter 14 and verse 23 says, The Father and the Son have come and made their abode with you through the Holy Spirit. What Jesus did, we are able to do by faith. Will we walk by faith or will we walk by sight? If we walk by sight, we're going to wimp out. We're going to back off. We're going to shut down. But if we walk by faith, that transcendent faith that sees beyond the suffering, sees to the glory to come, and all those who may become Christians, if we live it like Jesus, if we live it like the Apostle Paul, in rejoicing even in the difficult times, and being concerned about other souls, we have to determine. We have to determine now if we are thrown in prison, are we going to sing? Are we going to preach? Are we going to share? Are we going to care for those who have put us there? Dietrich Bonhoeffer said when he was in prison before the Nazis killed him, he said that I am free and those men who are guarding me are the slaves. He understood. Do we? We have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light so that we might proclaim his glories both in word and deed so that we'll draw all men unto him. In closing, you've heard me say this before. I don't know if you looked it up, but in Isaiah 60 and 61, it says the wealth of nations will come flooding into the kingdom of God in the last day because they're going to see the Christ. They're going to see life and what it can be. Life abundant, life full, life without fear. Brethren, I pray that we would continue to work on and build a mindset to walk in a manner worthy in all humility, gentleness, and next week, the dreaded word, Patience. Don't skip out next week. We need that one too. All right. Let's close in a word of prayer. Holy God in heaven, we are so thankful for the amazing examples of gentleness. You spoke to David as it was one of those great, powerful weapons of warfare, not in this world, but in the spiritual realm, to set the captives free. As it says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24 through 26, it is by gentleness in responding to those who are in opposition to us that they might come to their senses, having escaped the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. Let us set the captives free like Jesus. Let us allow those who might potentially in our future incarcerate us say at the last moment with our last breath, they would say, surely this was a son or daughter of God. Father, I pray you'd give us that mindset. It's in the book. By faith, I pray we'll live it. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. amen.
All right, let's all stand up. Now, what did Jesus say to do? He said to go. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Jesus Christ is still the king of kings. King of kings. All right, let's go do it. Let's do it. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.